people and increase your numbers and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for new. I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. And then he says this. And the Lord God Almighty says this. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage. Who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Church, we don't have to remain as slaves to sin. As we get ready to receive God's word this morning, I've asked a, 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 a teammate, a friend, to come and pray for me. I've asked Britta Brown. Many of you know her. She's our director of congregational care. If you don't know Britta, you should get to know this woman. She, I think she knows everybody, actually. And uh, what, a, what a great ministry um, she helps with. I think they just Hello? make the magic happen. Okay. <laughs> will, you play, will you pray with me? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for today. Thank you for each day that you give to us. God, you are so good and you are so faithful, and we love you so much. We thank you for the gift of your word, and we ask that you would prepare our hearts and minds to hear the message today through Pastor Joe. Open up your word to us and let it become so real in our hearts, so real that we would learn to put our trust in you more and more each day and be led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, if we are sleeping, wake us up and help us to fix our eyes on you and seek you daily. Help us to understand our identity in you. Help us to see the world the way that you see it. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Let us bring hope and peace and your light into the world. Lord, I lift up Pastor Joe to you, and we thank you for him. We ask that you would continue to pour out your Holy Spirit onto him. May he be strengthened and protected. Give him deep wisdom and discernment as he leads. Bless him right now, Father, to hear your voice. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So goldfish, not the game, and not the snack. But goldfish. Does anybody have goldfish? Okay, well, clearly the rest of you have never been to the fair. <laughs> you know, the, the goldfish, the type you get at the fair where they have the little game that every parent prays the child doesn't land the ping pong ball in the... See, God does answer prayers. Not all of you have had goldfish from the fair. But you know the type of goldfish, right, from the fair? That There's a couple of different things that take place when, when the goldfish becomes our possession, when we own the goldfish, right? We've won the goldfish. The first thing that could happen is, upon walking to the car, it could suddenly die. And then you have to deal with screaming and gnashing of teeth, and the world is coming to an end because this pet is now dead that we have become so attached to. Well, I've had goldfish from the fair, and, and I think, you know, there's another type of goldfish that comes from the fair, and it's the one that seemingly will live until Jesus returns. <laughs> and as parents, you begin to pray that it would die, but it doesn't. 
And it's the latter of the two that I want to talk about just for a minute. As a kid, we used to go to the fairs, and Warren County Fair especially. That was, I think my parents liked that one the best, although the, the Erie County Fair was uh, the cleanest, my mom and dad uh, thought. But the State Fair, that was good for all kinds of weird diseases. But um, yeah, you can get all kinds of cool stuff up there. But it was really uh, a time where we just hung out as a family, but we'd always stop at the goldfish thing. We had the power of persuasion as children, I guess. And, you know, when I won one of these, it survived. And we got it a goldfish bowl, and we started to care for the goldfish, and I really became quite fond of this goldfish. And it had a pretty good life. I mean, it really did have a pretty good life. It lived inside this bowl where I changed the water every other week, where I had a plant that I put inside the tank, and it actually survived for a little while. And uh, I fed it every day. And the goldfish, you know what it did every single day? Swam in a circle. And it was really happy. If goldfish could have emotions, it would have been happy. It would have been filled with joy, right? It would have been loving life. But the fact of the matter is goldfish, well, I, I mean, I might be, I hate to break it to you, but goldfish don't have emotions. And, um, but that goldfish, it, entire life was inside of a tank. It didn't know anything different, did it? It doesn't know anything different. I mean, if you go and talk to Suzanne's goldfish, it will know no different life. We'll think you're a little weird, but that's okay. We will love you anyways. But the goldfish didn't know anything different. It was stuck inside this tank. And for the goldfish, if it gets outside the tank, what happens? It dies. It ceases to live. Sometimes the things that were bound to become so accustomed to us that we know nothing different. Sometimes the, the things that we're bound to, we, we can't even see it as being there. The goldfish doesn't know there's a tank there. It just knows that every day it was getting food or thought it was getting food. I wonder what it is that has you surrounded and I'm going to use a word that we don't often like, but I'm going to use the word bound or bondage. What are you bound to or what are you in bondage to? And I would uh, give a couple of instructions if you're, um, I should have probably given these instructions on Wednesday. They would have been a little bit more helpful. Uh, don't type in the word bondage in your smartphone. <laughs> bad idea. Okay, bad idea. Don't do that. That reveals all types of crazy, terrible stuff. Right? The first things that, that pop up all have to do with sex. Oh my goodness, he said sex in church. The third definition from Webster is, has to do with sadomasochism. Yeah, you can ask your parents about that. If you don't know what it is, praise God. We live in a world that is subjected to all types of evil. And it has permeated a ton of places, even including at times the church. The bride, the beautifully adorned bride, has been stained at times. Today we're going to look at uh, bondage, specifically as it pertains to sin and death that comes with sin. I'm going to give you three things, so bear with me here, I'm going to give you three things. The first is that you once were restrained. Or maybe today your reality is that you are restrained. The second is that, and this is a true statement for all people, 
that you have been redeemed. Christ died once for all. You are redeemed. And the third that I want you to, to, to grab a hold of is that you will be rewarded. That you will be rewarded. If you've brought your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me. Remember last week I encouraged you to bring your Bibles to church. Uh, take out your smartphones. Don't type in the word bondage, but go to the Bible app. And uh, let's join together as we, as we read this passage from uh, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Uh, chapter 8, verses 12 through 25. I made a couple of mistakes this week. The first is we got a huge text, and we're only going to really see a few different things. Um, but stay with me and allow God to speak to you through it. So if you brought your Bibles, uh, I'd invite you to, to join me in reading. We've also put it up on the screens. Uh, for those of you that are worshiping with us from home, it's on your television set or your phone or your computer. But it says this, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. In other words, you don't have to live according to the flesh, and it doesn't have to do with your skin. It has to do right there with the sinful nature. But Paul goes on to say, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I choose that one. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If you write in your Bibles, if you've got your, circle that right there. That's a good spot to be. That's a really good spot to be. If we indeed share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Then Paul goes on to say, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to the frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up until the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's the word of God for the people of God. Your response there is thanks be to God. The Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And I want to invite you to a couple of things. I told you on the front end, it's three R's, right? Three R's. What was the first one? Restrained. Restrained. You see, what sin does, what this sinful nature does, is it holds us against our own will. It makes it so we're not able to, to move. Or worse yet, it gives us enough space to have some freedom, but like the dog on the chain, when it gets to the end of it, it snaps back. You see, and when we don't know Christ yet, we're stuck in that spirit of bondage. 
I have yet to meet a person who wants to be stuck there. This last week, I had the privilege of, of meeting a young man uh, whose name isn't relevant, but his story is very relevant. He called the church. He called the church and said, I need to be baptized right now. I'm like, well, that's kind of exciting. Why? I was actually uh, a little bit taken back. And I said, well, why don't you come in and let's, let's talk for a minute. He says, no, you don't understand. I've seen things. I've seen things and I need to be baptized right now. He came in and uh, the first thing that we did, what would be the first thing that you would do? You don't have to answer that out loud. You can think through that. Maybe wash your hands because he came in and he was pretty dirty. Wash your hands. You're not sure what kind of background he has. I said, hey, I'm Joe. Uh, we need to pray. I said, I've already been praying for you this morning. And Brandon was there with me, and um, with this young man came his girlfriend and his, his stepdad. And um, we began to pray. And the Lord revealed a couple of really significant things in prayer. You see, when we seek God, God reveals God's self. He says, when you seek me with your whole heart, it is there that you will find me. And God began to reveal that this young man was bound. And very quickly, I sensed the presence of something that was not God. And we began to pray for him. And then over the next hour, we began to talk and unpack kind of what it is that's going on. Well, this young man was stuck in the bondage of addiction. And we oftentimes label that with our... Actually, Webster identifies that as as in young people. So this is under bondage. It says, uh, section 2 actually, it says, as in young people bound to the addiction of drugs. Well, we need to do something and take away that word young because the addiction to drugs does not only take place in young people, it takes place in people, right? And it's not, it's not no uh, a specific age group. But this young man was bound to drugs. And because of that, he wasn't able to see clearly. Specifically, his, his addiction of choice was, was acid. Acid and, and weed, he loved smoking weed. And, and as we began to talk, he had seen things that were, were not good and he knew something wasn't right. You know what I found with most people, and, and I think maybe part of the reason that you're here today is the church has filled a void in your life. Some of you, the church has become your identity, and that's another challenge, but we'll come back to that. But uh, some of you, the church has filled a void in your life and you knew where to go to get help. My prayer all the time for the church is that the Lord would send us those who are broken and hurting, people just like myself. Because Jesus is the only answer. You see, he dabbled with a Ouija board. He dabbled with um, Satanism at times. And he said, I need help. He thought there was power in the water. That's a common mistake we make. He thought there was power in the water. The scriptures tell us that actually the power is in the word and the spirit of the living God living within us. And as this young man began to become transformed, redemption entered in. You see, at the end, when we're in the presence of God, I don't, has any, when I am in the presence of God, when I know that God is right here with me right now, I'm overwhelmed and I cry like a baby. And I can't control it. 
So I'm, I know I'm a grown man, and uh, my name's Joe. I'm a grown man, and I do cry. And this morning um, was one of those times as I wept, wept for the church and the disease and the restraint that has bound her. And this young man wept as he sat in the presence of God and he was freed. You see, Paul says this. He says, um, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And in a moment, this young man who was paralyzed by bondage experienced freedom. He instantly came alive. And I'd like to invite you this morning if, you know, sometimes what happens in church, and I, I get this, right? I've grown up in the church my whole life. I'm a professional churcher. I've grown up in the church my entire, I don't know, maybe on one hand the number of Sundays that I've missed in my life. And you know what? I am no better, no, no greater, no, no, no different than anybody else. But I know that what happens in church oftentimes, especially in our Western culture, is that we get uncomfortable and then we don't act. And then later what will happen is we'll go home and some of you might go home today and be like, you know, I really felt like God was prompting me, but I didn't, I didn't have the courage to respond. And then that seed of um, regret in a moment, the enemy will capitalize on. The enemy will capitalize on. And he'll try to define you by that moment of, I didn't rather than receiving the grace that God continually gives. We don't have to stay in this spot of death or bondage. You see, Paul says a couple other things that... Um, that are freeing. And it's verse 15 that I really want to focus on today. I'm going to start preaching here in a couple of minutes. It says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And if you've never experienced, if you've never experienced that moment when God has set you free, I happen to have a great relationship with my dad. I shared that story a few weeks ago. I had a great relationship with my father. I know that is not the case with everybody. But please, don't judge your heavenly father based upon your earthly father. And this morning, as my daughter raised her hand for prayer, I lost it. I lost it. Because I know the story. And I know what happens when Jesus sets us free. In church, I, we can't play church. There is a world that is desperate for the gospel. And I dare say even there is a church that is desperate for the gospel. And my prayer is that as a church we would become alive that we would begin to, to live into the fullness of what it is to be a son and a daughter of the, the Most High God, right? 
no longer, and I, and I don't remember who shared this story. This isn't my story, but I heard it. I think it was my, my good friend Jeff Rotunda talked about a, a sandbox. And he talked about, you know, in the sandbox, and, and when you're playing with your, with your friends, and you're playing with the toys, and, and you're in the sandbox, and, and one of the kids, his dad owns the sandbox. And inside that box, your neighborhood friends are coming, and they're playing with you, but, but you know, they don't actually own that sandbox. And you know what happens when something goes wrong if you don't, as kids, and you don't own whatever it is that you're playing with? What happens? There becomes this feud, and you get up, and you, you take your toys, and you go home, Right? Because they're yours. Well, what happens in Christ Jesus when we've been redeemed is we all of a sudden become heirs to the throne of grace. Paul says it very specifically. He says we become co-heirs with Christ. All of a sudden, Jesus Christ is not only our Savior and Redeemer, but He is our brother. Co-heirs with Jesus Christ, Son of God. You let that sink in for a moment. If you're dealing with some difficult things in life, you remember that Jesus is your brother. That God Almighty is your heavenly Father. And that we are seated, Scripture says, in the heavenly places with Him. You see, that has power in it. You can face the day when you know that, that God is there with you. But so often the church thinks that God is against us. And we become slaves to sin. Again, you see, the gospel does a couple of things. It sets us free. And then in the moment we're freed, we have hope. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago about my friend Emmanuel, who was a slave in Angola, Africa. And he understood uh, in the natural world what it is to be bound, literally, and beaten, literally. Something that I have no no idea what that is but I know fully what it is to be a slave to sin but he talked about the hope that he has and he never once never once spoke ill of those who enslaved him never once you see the problem at times that we run into is that we don't wait patiently for that which is to come we live in a state where everything is immediate you've heard the story uh if you've, if you've read the history books, you've heard the stories of the, the early people known as Methodists, right? So I, I, I am a Wesley scholar. I, I really like studying John Wesley. But um, the people known as Methodists were known in the, the 18th century for, for dying well. Yeah. Some of you are like, what do you mean? They, they died well. And there's two different ways to die, I guess. There's, you can die well or you can die bad. Or poorly, I guess. I don't know. But they, they died well. And you know what? what and this isn't, this isn't in the Christian circles this was being talked about. This was in the medical circles it was being talked about. As physicians were talking about the people known as Methodists, when they would die, they would die well. They died with this sense of hope of what is yet to come because they know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. A future hope. They knew that there was a reward waiting for them. When John Wesley was um, on his trip from America back to Europe, right? And it, it says, and you can read this in his journals, but it talks about the storm that came upon the sea. And it was a storm that scared the sailors. So you know it's a pretty bad one when the sailors are scared, right? As a guy who doesn't, who's not a huge fan of the water, I mean, I like water, but I don't like to be on the water for long periods of time, like days or months. 
When the sailors are scared, you should probably be concerned. And John Wesley writes in his journal that he was surely, surely going to die. The end is near. And he said he heard this sound coming from the galley of the Moravians singing praises to God. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. The hope that it says, no matter what takes place in life, I am his and he is mine. As John Wesley prayed, put me to suffering or put me to to living. Give me everything or give me nothing. Let me be laid aside for thee or lifted high for thee. Because when we have been redeemed and we know whose we are, we know that there is a reward waiting for us. Some of you uh, navigated the, the terrible... We heard this story yesterday at one of the saints of Bemis Point Methodist Church's funeral. Um, Helen Inger's son, I got this wrong yesterday, in the funeral. Yeah, don't do that. That's mistake number one, right? Don't pronounce the name wrong. Helen um, has been faithfully attending Bemis Point for, for 45 years or longer. We have her on the records for 45 years. Traditional service. Some of her grandchildren were married in this church. And it talked about her husband um, was a World War II veteran. And her son, uh, her son that died was a Vietnam veteran. I mean, some of you navigated those terrible things. And while your loved one was away, you waited anxiously every day in hope And they talked about that for a reward. You see, hope isn't about right now. Hope isn't about something right now that we receive. It's an assurance of what will be. He spelled it out crystal clear for us, actually, in verse 25. He says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it. Patiently. In a time and in a culture and in a climate where immediacy runs everything, I would invite you to pause and wait patiently for that which God is going to give us. We don't have to be restrained, you've been redeemed. And there is a reward which we can wait for joyfully and patiently because of the Spirit of God who is alive within us. Holy God, thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, would the grace that severs the chains of bondage penetrate deep into our lives this morning? Would your Spirit who has come alive be present in magnificent ways? And Lord, may we not be ensnared any longer. Oh, Jesus. Come quickly. In your name we pray, as you taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So church, I'll leave you with the question. What are you bound to? Are you bound to a life of sin and death? Or are you bound by grace to Jesus Christ? May the Lord Jesus Christ be before you to lead you, beside you to justify you, behind you to defend you, above you to guide you. Might Jesus, the risen Christ, be within you, empowering you to radically go and love the hell out of your neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.